Mark chapter 11, verse 24, look what the scripture says. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have and it shall be yours. Okay, but the scripture does say according to his will, according to his plan, according to what he wants. A revelation that God gave me years and years ago was Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I know you like to use that in a lot of different ways, but when you look at it in the literal language, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, what it literally is saying, when the Lord becomes your delight, his desires will become your heart. Remember the church at Philippi? They first gave themselves. As a Christian, what is it you're expecting out of life? Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundant. Are you expecting that? What are you expecting out of life? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Folks, we, we are entering in to, the, to Christianity's biggest time. Now, I want us to understand, and, I, and you've heard me say this many times over the years, as wonderful as Passion Week was, Palm Sunday, even Good Friday, if it wasn't for Resurrection Sunday, we wouldn't be here. There'd be no reason for this. It'd be just another religious person that came and said great things, lived, and died. But folks, I've been to Israel. I've been to the tomb. Nothing there. Okay, I don't think you got that. I've been to Israel. I've been to the tomb. Nothing's there. And you know, because there's nothing there, one day soon, there's going to be nothing here because we're getting out of here. Can somebody say amen? I can tell you right now, I ain't fearing blowing up because I'm looking forward to going up. I want, to, I, want, I want to take us into a series that I've titled Great Expectations. I don't know about you, but this time of year is a time of great expectancy. This time of the year is a time that I anticipate. Now, if you know me, if y'all, if y'all hang around with me much, you know that I pretty much anticipate every single day God to do things. You know what? Because my Bible says every day he's going to do things. And so as we go into this this resurrection season, say, Pastor, I've never called resurrection season. I've never heard. Folks, every day is resurrection day when you know Jesus. But this time of the year, restoration season, renewal season, How about I get a brand new start season? Anybody here like a brand new start? You ever get up in the morning and and you wake up and you got a bad case of the uglies? Now, I'm not talking about looking in the mirror. Sometimes we can't do anything about that. Okay, some of you you guys should have shouted with me. Ladies, you can always, you're always beautiful, but us guys, we... Sometimes we get that. But anyway, I have gotten up before 
And I just want to turn back over and go back to bed. Now, I feel like I'm preaching to myself. Has anybody not been like that? Okay, good. I just want to make sure that I wasn't getting my direction wrong. And you know what I had to do the very first moment I woke up? I had to make a decision. Are the uglies going to defeat me or am I going to defeat them? Am I going to get under the circumstances or am I going to rise above them? Now, folks, I can't do anything about what they do, but I can do something about what I do. And as long as I'm attached to what he did, then they done. Now, that ain't good, that ain't good English, but that's good preaching. I don't have to worry about the outlook because I got a really good uplook. Some of y'all are going to get this when the day is over. I, I've made this statement before, and, I, and it just, I wanted to throw it into today because it is a truth that I learned years and years and years ago, but it took me years and years to grab a hold of it. Now, I'm talking about after I was pastoring. I used to let all kinds of stuff bother me. Anybody like that here? Yeah. Look at somebody and say, I don't want to admit it. That's why I didn't raise my hand. But I used to be one of those guys, I let a lot of stuff bother me. And then I, I, I learned a little simple thing, and it became one of my little sayings, is why are so many things in life bother some, but why do they only bother some? Because they made a choice to let it bother them. Well, this truth came out from a man that, that had two of the most gigantic failures in business in his entire in, in life. I mean, this guy put his hand to the plow twice and just, I mean, miserably failed. His third business is doing pretty good, and uh, that's a guy named Henry Ford. But he could have thrown in the talent and said, I'm just done. How many are glad if you drive one of those things that he didn't get done? And Henry Ford made this incredible statement. He said, if you think you can or you think you can't, You know, the only way I can fail is I have to determine I failed. The only way I can be done with is I have to fail. Folks, let me tell you something. I know they say out there it's not over until some lady sings. Now, I'm not going to get into physical size and stuff like that, but because I don't want to get offending to anybody, okay? So we're, okay. They say it's not over until some lady, folks, it's not over until I say it's over. Well, what do you mean, preacher? I go to a place called Israel, to a place called the Garden Tomb, to a place that is empty, and he said, it ain't over. I'm rising again. Can somebody get excited in God's house? It ain't over. The devil thought it was over. Could you imagine the party the devil was having on Friday? We got him. We got him. We got him. And there's a, there's a song by a guy. Remember a few months ago we had Carmen here. And he did a song called Sundays on the Way. And in that song, there's a great depiction that he does where the devil is, is partying and, and he calls up the grave on Friday and, and, he, and he's a little nervous and he said, Grave, you know, uh, you know that, that, that Jewish boy? Uh, yeah, yeah, your redness. The grave talks to him and, and he said, uh, Come on, chill out, man. The dude's dead. He's cold as ice. Well, he calls him up again on Saturday, and he says, he said, come on, you're going you're gonna to freak out. You're going to freak me out. On Sunday morning, he called up the grave. On Sunday morning, old Big Red called up the grave. And he said, grave, this is Big D. A D stands for devil, okay? Grave, I want to know, is he still in the ground? Grave said, man, I told you, when we got the job done, it was done. It was, hold on, I got to check something. Grave comes back on the phone and says, Big D, the ground's shaking. Something's happening. 
you're messing with the stone. It ain't done until you say it's done. He's got a powerful right hand. And look at somebody and say, that where I be living. Okay, you, you uh, vernacular linguist, that's where I'll be staying. But just y'all regular folk, that where I be living in that hand. Forever. If you think you can, or you think you can't, what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to get rid of the can't. Because, folks, there is no can't when it comes to God's people. There's the Word of God that's filled with cans. I can because He did. Can somebody say amen? Psalm chapter 5, verse 3. Look at the scripture. Remember what Paul wrote to the church at Philippi? He said, before you did anything, you gave of yourselves. There's something that I do every morning of my life. I get up and pray. In the morning. You know why I I pray? Now, folks, understand. There's not always that I pray for an hour. But I can tell you, I never go an hour without praying. But in the morning, I lay my request before God. You know why it's so important to do the very first thing in the day, your prayers? You have nothing to distract you. Generally speaking, the junk that you left when you went snoozing last night, it's not real fresh on your head. And in the morning, God, I know you're listening for me. You're longing to hear me. So, Lord, I know you're listening. So I lay my request in the morning. Then I want you in your notes to underline those three words. And I wait in expectation. Now, I, I want to help us through this message because I want to help us to understand one of the greatest problems that we have in receiving is we're not expecting to receive. You say, well, Pastor, how, do I, how, do, how can you say that so matter-of-factly? Because I get around some of y'all. And when something amazing happens, can I tell you something? Just take the word amazing out and put God there because it's always amazing when it's God. When God happens, I've had people come up to me and say, Pastor, you're not going to believe what happened. I said, try me. Why wouldn't I believe? Did you pray? Well, yeah, but but, but what? Did you underline it? I wait in expectation. Now, let me give you a picture of this. And I want to use a non-saved person. It's in the book of Matthew, and it's going to be on the screen. I want you to look at this. This is a centurion, a Roman soldier. Okay? A centurion means he's got a hundred troops under him. Okay? A legionnaire means he has a thousand troops under him, and so on and so forth. A centurion who was in charge of a hundred troops. He's not even a Christian. Now, there's some folks that think this particular centurion is Cornelius that we hear Peter talk about later. But, you know, there's no real variance or variability of that, that being true. But it could very well have been. But not a Christian. And look what he says here. Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Now, stop right there. I could close the whole sermon on that one line. Because the devil has got you to believe you don't deserve it. I could stop the whole sermon right there. The devil has got us to believe you don't deserve it. Look at somebody and say, I'm feeling it. Anybody here besides me and David felt like we didn't deserve it? The centurion said, I don't deserve that you come under my roof. And even though I could stop the whole sermon there and I could say, that's, that's our first big problem, I can't stop there. Because we have to take the lesson from an unsaved person 
even though we sit in that great right hand. Look what he says here. But Lord, just say the word. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness? Duking with the devil? Remember? The guy's fasting for 40 days. And he's in the wilderness, and the devil says, I bet you're hungry. 40 days, some of us can't go 40 minutes. I bet you're hungry. And he said, why don't you command those stones to be turned into bread? You know, God wants everything to be good for you. And what did Jesus do? He just said the word. Devil, it is written. Can I tell you this book? It's filled with countless promises. And you know every one of them was written for the person sitting in your chair? Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. That word salvation doesn't mean just saved from here to then. It means saved to get from here to then. Redeemed, restored, renewed, reignited, reenlighted. All the re means is he's just putting you back to where you were before, where he intended. Am I making any sense? And when you open this book, you know the Bible says it's life and health to those that find it? Why wouldn't I spend time in the garden of his glory? Mm, that's good preaching. <laughs> Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. You know, he is the God that heals. He spoke the word, and the blind saw, the deaf heard, the lame walked. But we're going to talk about a lame man here directly that wasn't so amicable. But look at this unsaved person. Just say the word, my servant be healed. And then he gave us something that I want you to get today. And this is why I'm starting today with this passage. He said, I am a man under authority. Where are you sitting? In the authority and power of God. Are you not? If you're his child, you are sitting under his authority in his hand. Okay, this side's getting it over here. Under his authority, in his hand. Now listen to me. That is why the devil works so hard to get you to try to believe that you don't deserve it. Because he knows all you got to do is believe and say the word. He said, I'm a man under authority. And look what he says. I tell. He didn't say I command. He didn't say, I force, and I make, and I whip, and I beat. What did he say? I tell this one. I say to this one. What's, what's what he says, I tell, I tell this one to go. And what's he do? Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. You know what the Bible says? It's solid. I know who built it. <clears throat> you know what the Bible tells me? Submit myself to God and resist the devil. What's it say? What's he say? Okay, no, 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 no. Let me get a little stronger. He must flee. So, I tell this one to go, and what's he do? The devil's tormenting me, and I tell him to go. What's he got to do? Why? Because of the authority I'm under. 
Am I making any sense? Dale, shout amen, would you please? Think about it. I just say the word. I tell this one, he goes, and I tell another one, come, and he comes. Okay, well, pastor, what is that talking about? You know, the Bible says that we can call God's blessings in. We can call God's promises in. Now, I'm not talking about, folks, I'm not talking about pie in the sky. I'm not talking about all the different things. I'm talking about reality. We can call God's grace into our lives. That's what Paul did in 1 Corinthians. He said, God, three times, take this thing away. But what did God say? My grace is sufficient. My strength is seen when you ain't so strong. Got one amen out of that whole conversation there. Let's go to the next line. Thank you. I say, there it is. He said, I tell. Now he says, I say to my servant. Do you see any, I have to stand up and shout and scream and holler and beat the, does it? No. I say to my servant, do this, do that. And he does it. Do you know that's what the Bible tells us that we can do? Can I tell you, the Bible tells you that who you yield yourself servants to obey, that's whose servants you are? Whether of obedience unto righteousness or sin unto death? When Jesus heard this, what did he say? I haven't found so great a faith in all of Israel. Coming from who? A guy that doesn't even believe. Yet he knew something that if we can grab a hold of it during this resurrection season, your entire life will never be the same. Okay, how many are ready to get in? Okay, somebody look at somebody and say, this is going to be fun. Get your hands and feet inside, keep the buckle on, because it's going to be a ride. Mark chapter 11, verse 24, look what the scripture says. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have, and it shall be yours. Now, people say, well, man, you mean I can, I can believe for a Cadillac? I can believe for you know, a million bucks? I can, you can believe for lots of things. Okay? But the Scripture does say, according to his will, according to his plan, according to what he wants. A revelation that God gave me years and years ago was, revelation, was Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. I know you like to use that in a lot of different ways, but when you look at it in the literal language, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, what it literally is saying, when the Lord becomes your delight, his desires will become your heart. Remember the church at Philippi? They first gave themselves. As a Christian, what is it you're expecting out of life? Jesus said, I come to give you life and that more abundant. Are you expecting that? What are you expecting out of life? Now, there's a statement that, I, that I've made many, many, many years and many, many times, and I want to put it on the screen. So look at this. Everything. Say that with me. Everything. Let, let's say that one more time. Everything. And just for emphasis, let's say it a third time. Everything. Anytime God wanted to get our attention, he made us say things three times. So I'm trying to get your attention, folks. God is, okay, through his word. Everything we do is a reflection of what we believe. How many ever did something you're thinking, well, that's not really a reflection of what I believe, but you did it anyway? Just you and me, Evan. That's just you and me. Okay. Everything we do is a reflection of what we believe. Every action we take is simply a reaction based on what? Pastor, are you going to get real personal today? You bet. You know why? That's, folks, that's the, only pla- that's the only way we get to the place that God wants us to be. So the question I go back, what are we really believing for? 
What are we really believing for? Are we limiting God by our words? Are we? Limiting. You know the Bible says that a man that can't control his tongue, his religion is vain? Folks, I didn't write it. It's in this book. And all my job is to do is to preach this book. You know, I thank God for hearing aids because sometimes I can't hear what's being said. So I'm not sure if that was good or bad, but we'll just move on. Look what he, look, look, look. Are we limiting God by our actions? Are you praying? Are you asking God or asking Chase Bank? Are you asking God or asking Dodge Ram? Come on, Daniel, that's you and me. Come on. Well, and that's what I said, you and me. Dodge, where are you taking us today? Instead of saying, God, where should I be going today? Are we limiting God by our words? Are we limiting God by our actions? Now I'm going to hit where the rubber meets the road. Are we limiting God by our attitude? So as I, read, as I read this book, let me share something with you. As I read this book, I find that God did a lot of things for people. Why is it not happening for me? We're not there yet, guys. I appreciate you staying ahead of me, but we're not there yet. I, 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 I read this, and listen to me, listen to me. I see God did a lot of things for people. But I sometimes think, God, what about me? And you know what the Lord says? What about you? Remember when Jesus, uh, Jesus was uh, there and, and uh, he's, he's talking to the disciples and he, and he said uh, about John the Beloved and he was talking about this guy and the love that he has for him and, and all of a sudden he made this statement, what is it to you if this guy stays alive until I return? And that's where everybody thought that John was going to live forever and all that kind of junk. And Folks, God did a lot of things in this book. And you know what? He did for them. He'll do for you. But are we confessing that? Are we expressing that? Are we living that? Psalm chapter 78. Look at this. Okay, now Psalm 78. They're, they're doing great. No, no, back there you go, right there. <laughs> Giving me a hard time back there. I'm going to send somebody back to the booth here in a second. I'm going to, okay. Psalm 78. Yes, and again and again, they did what? Tempted God. Talking about Israel. You and I are grafted in, children of Israel, folks. People say, well, that was written for them. No, it's written for us, folks, every piece, okay? Again and again, they tempted God, and what did they do? What's that next word? limited the Holy One of Israel. I, unload, I un underlined it on the screen, and you need to underline it in your notes. How did they tempt and limit God? They did not remember what he'd already done. They did not remember the day of his power when he redeemed them out of Egypt. They did not remember that God had done it before and that he would do it Again, you see, ladies and gentlemen, when we fail to expect victory in our everyday life, it is simply because we fail to remember who we are and what the Lord has done. See, Paul wrote to a young man, his young protege by the name of Timothy, and he said, Timothy, God didn't give you that spirit of fear. Let me speak to victorious life. Let me speak to God's children. God did not give you that spirit of fear, but of power. He said, whose hand are you resting in? Of love. Who died for you? And a sound mind. Where's the confidence you have? Where's the confidence? Where's the certainty? If you did it before God, you're going to do it again. 
Somebody's going to get this today and their life's going to be changed. When we fail to expect, you know, in the 119th Psalm, uh, David is, 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 uh, is, uh, is talking here and he's, he's looking at this. And then he said these words. He said, you know, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Look at somebody and say, I know what David's talking about. Before these problems started to happen, I turned off the road. The series we just finished talks about how the devil's doing everything and his power to knock you off course. How do you overcome? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, your neighbor as yourself. If you do this, you will live. And then David said these words. Psalm 119, 67 said, before I was afflicted, I want to say, but listen to me. Why is it imperative that we spend time in this book? He said, but I'm glad that I was afflicted because it made me run back to you. It made me run back to you. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't do anything about what was. And I can't change what's, what's going to be. But I can do something about what is happening right now. What we're dealing with, and I've titled this sermon, The Law of Expectation. What we're dealing with is the attitude expressed in our hearts and our actions that we affect. That causes us to affect victory or defeat. Over and over in God's word, Jesus is dealing with the disciples He's dealing with his followers. He's dealing with the Pharisees. And look at Matthew chapter 12, what he says here. How can you being evil speak good things? Now, I think I left this underlined in your notes, but it's in blue on the screen. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The heart of that place of attitude, the heart is that place of determination and inspiration. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But I say to you, it's not just what you're speaking. It's what you're thinking. Every idle word we're going to give account for. The book of Hebrews says that he's going to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. In the day of judgment. By your words you will be what? By your words you will be what? I didn't write it. Just preaching it. You see what the law of expectation says. Is whatever you expect to happen in your life. Will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. God has great plans for you. But you're the one that has to initiate whether you're going to accomplish those plans or not. You and I are always acting as fortune tellers by the way we think, the way we talk, and the direction we walk. And we must remember what lies inside of us will always find its way outside of us. That's why the Word of God tells us in 1 Corinthians to cast down imagination and every thought. Two different things, folks. Imagination. We can imagine all kinds of stuff. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, that's why God destroyed the world, because the thoughts and the imaginations and the intents of mankind was only evil continually. And just like it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. But I'll give you a little precursor. In September, I'm going to take you through the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And we're going to talk about the end times. We're going to talk about exactly where we are that I believe biblically. And just to give you a little bit of tidbit, I am waiting for the Psalm 83 war to start any time. It, it is just amazing. You watch the Middle East. You watch the Middle East. The time clock of, of the world. Watch the Middle East. What lies inside of us 
is going to find its way out of us anytime. God says you need to deal with those thoughts and imaginations. The thoughts you have, remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those thoughts, those ill wills, those, those, those negative desires. and God said you got to deal with them or he will deal with us. Can somebody say amen? See, I find this necessary and I need to be careful of my thoughts because they could break into words at any time. A man by the name of Robert Smidgall made a very powerful statement. He said, we teach what we know, but we reproduce what we are. We wonder why people around us are acting the way they're acting. Look in the mirror. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's you. Are we okay? Okay. Now, folks, I look at this stuff because I'm, I'm wondering, what are we expecting in our lives? And are we getting what we're expecting by our words, our actions, our attitudes? Let me make a statement. It's not by chance that every single one of you are here this morning. We were bought with a price. He paid a price. He saved us for a purpose. And we are here for that reason, to fulfill that purpose that God gave in our life. You see, ladies and gentlemen, God loves us so much that he gave his only son to die for us just the way we are. But he loves us too much to leave us that way. God loves us too much to expend the love of his son to leave us the way he found us. Look at somebody and say, I ain't what I'm going to be, but I ain't what I used to be. Second thing, quickly. Second thing, quickly. What are we expecting out of this life? And then the second thing, do we really expect to see God's promises come to pass. Do we really expect to see God's promises? Now I'm going to take you through a passage that I've taught on many times over the years, but I want to break it down today just momentarily. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. Who are they working together for? To those who love God. And to those who are what? The called. The called. You know what the word church means? The called. It comes from a Greek word, ecclesia. Okay? It comes out of the the same picture. Okay? The called according to his purpose. What is he saying? He said, if you love God, you're supposed to be part of the church. I'm not planning on stopping. John 10, 10, he said, I want you to have life and that more abundant. Folks, that's not pie in the sky. That is down on the ground while we're walking around. (laughs) Romans chapter 8. Here's two characteristics of the believers that are given. And these two characteristics, those who love God and the called according to whose purpose? His purpose. One depicts our feelings towards God, and the other depicts God's feelings towards us. And the scriptures assures that all things are and cannot but be cooperating with the one that called them to cooperate the good of those who love and are the called. So the first thing you see, it's on the screen. Look what it says here. It says, first to them that love God. How many here love God? Okay. If you love God, this is for you. If you don't love God, just go blah, 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 and we'll go on to you for a minute later. Okay. To them that love God, what's happening? All things are working together for the good. Now stop. Look at me. It does not mean that only good things are going to happen. How many had anything bad happen? And you look back at it later and you saw Man, God used that, didn't he? Okay. Remember, David, before I was afflicted, I went astray. But I'm glad now that I was afflicted because I I came back to you. Okay. Are are you with me this morning? Somebody say amen. Amen. 
Okay, or oh me, whichever, whichever is preferable. Okay? All things are working together for the good. You see, what's happening is when we love God, we now have to come to a place of being persuaded that he who gave his own son for them can only mean well in all that he is doing. Now, folks, we live in a fallen world. It doesn't mean the world's going to all be nice and sugar-coated. I know some churches are sugar-coated these days, but we're not in that one, okay? The second thing, do you see that? To them that love God. Look at the second thing. There's two parts in this, and we like to just, well, you know, the Lord says that he works all things together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Great. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. The second thing is to them who are called, who are, excuse me, the called according to what? Do you mean everything I want isn't going to work out? Yeah. Unless what you want is what he wants. Well, how do I know what he wants? When the Lord becomes your delight, his heart becomes your desire. If there's nothing you want more than the Lord, guess what? You're going to want everything the Lord wants. To them who are the called, that word, that phrase, the invited, and those who accepted the invitation and came. David and I were having a great conversation on Wednesday night about uh, this marriage that happened. And the, the, uh, the Lord of the marriage invited all these people. And all these people came, and they came with, with these glorious robes and, and all of this. And all of a sudden, the master of the celebration, now we're, we're picturing the bride, which is the church, and the bridegroom. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the celebration, the bridegroom notices somebody's there that don't have the wedding attire on. Folks, when you give your life to Christ, you get a new gown. It's called a robe of righteousness. But when you try to work your way to heaven, you don't get that robe. It's all on you. Okay? And so all of a sudden, somebody's there that was really a nice guy, really did great things. He might have been a preacher. He might have been, you know, had a great church. He might have been all kinds of things. The problem is, is the Lord knew him, but he didn't know the Lord. And so the Lord said, you ain't getting to heaven that way. He said, what's that guy doing here? Now, folks, for some of y'all that have a hard time with God's word, this is going to ouch a little bit. You can only get to heaven one way. And that's through Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't do good enough. Okay? And so this guy was there on his goodness on his good works and Jesus said cast him into outer darkness now that's hard but folks Jesus died and if we could do it by ourselves why did he have to die the called invited and accepted the invitation by giving our lives to him to live according to his purpose. There, I don't care what it is, good, bad, indifferent, or ugly. If you're called according to his purpose and you're living for him, what you're going through right now, you will get through. A, a good friend of mine years and years and years ago sang a song, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep on moving. We can, ladies and gentlemen, be assured, and this is in your notes, if he of whom, through whom, and to whom are all things suffered, we can be assured that nothing really adverse will happen to thwart the end of the purpose he has for your life. Somebody get excited in God's house. 
Psalm, Psalm chapter 34, 19. Look what it says here. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Say that with me. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. I know this ain't popular preaching, folks. But like I said, I didn't write it. He just told me to preach it. Okay? Say it with me again. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what happens? The Lord delivers. The Lord delivers. The Lord delivers. Come on, catch it. The Lord delivers. The Lord delivers. Come on, somebody got to get this. The Lord delivers. Out of a couple of them. Out of one of them. So, Terry, just. Do I take, take my shoes off and count my toes? How many? You know, I did a Greek word study for all. You know what it means? He delivers us out of all. If we are the called according to his purpose. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite passages in scripture. I know some of y'all will say, well, Pastor, you say that about every passage. Well, they are kind of favorite. But this is in your notes. It's not on the screen. So listen to me. What shall we say then to all these things? What shall we say then? If God is for me. Paul said, what what shall I say to all these troubles, all these difficulties, all these problems? If God is for me. Okay, I'm waiting for the whole church. If God is for me. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all? There's that word again. He didn't say some things. He's all things. Who shall bring a charge? Remember this centurion? I'm not even worthy. Did God say you're not worthy? Did Jesus say you're not worthy? Did the Holy Spirit one day just pass your house and say unworthy? No. If you're the called according to his purpose and you love God, what's that make you? Okay. So look what he says here. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is it that God justifies? Or is it God who justifies? Who is he who condemns? Does God have any plan of condemning you? I've had people over there, well, I, I got this sickness because God's trying to get me to learn a lesson. You show me that chapter and verse. Well, I, God, you know, he put this disease on me, or he's, he's, he's broken me down to nothing. I can't tell you how many Christians, oh, God has just broke me down to nothing. You know who was broken to nothing? Jesus. He was made nothing so you could be made something. He made us nothing. He made him nothing that you and I could be something. Look at somebody and say, "Thank God." So let, let me let me read. Let me. How many think this is going to be a good series? Okay. Look what it says here. It is Christ that died. Furthermore, who is risen? Just thought I'd throw that out there. He's risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He prays for us night and day. You know why? Because the devil accuses us night and day. So it goes on here. And this is the part that just... Uh, that sh- who then shall separate me from the love of Christ? Now, let me ask you a question. Shall tribulation... Distress? No. Persecution? No. Famine? No. Nakedness? No. I'm losing you. Peril? No. Sword? No. All day long, he was as a sheep done before his shearers. Yet, in all that he's done, we are more than conquerors. See, Paul said, I'm persuaded. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, nor any other thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Somebody better get excited in God's house today. Even though God's will is not always done, God's plan 
is always done. People say, well, pastor, what does that mean? God's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Folks, multitudes are going to hell because they choose to get on a wide road. But God's plan is done. His plan is heaven for all those that will call upon the name of the Lord. This is the glorious assurance, and it's on the screen. Look at this. We know. This is the glorious assurance, ladies and gentlemen. We know. It's not we think. It's not that we hope. It's not that maybe someday in the sweet by and by. No, we know. Folks, this should be a household word for every Christian in the faith. It's not perhaps, it's not possibly, it's not someday. It is already guaranteed to be received. Can somebody get excited? Let me, let me wrap this up today. Number three, you see the law of expectation, what you and I expect, what you and I expect determines that we expect great things. If you and I are a child of God, Norman Vincent Peale, a, a, a great positive author of many, many years gone by, wrote some incredible stuff. He said, we tend to get exactly what we expect. Now, I'm going to take you into John chapter 5. It's not in your notes, but you can turn there with me if you want to. And I'm going to paraphrase the passage. I'm not going to read it. But there is a man that is there in John chapter 5, and he is simply known as, as a paralytic sitting next to a pool called Bethesda. Now, Bethesda had, a, had a, uh, a, a mystery about it that they all believed that when the waters were troubled, it was an angel touching the waters. And that when the first person that touched the waters after they were troubled would be healed. And that was the, that was the, 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 the story. That was the, the thing that they all believed. So it was surrounded by these people of various physical conditions. Well, this person that was in a paralytic condition couldn't walk, couldn't work, couldn't even get into the pool. He had no options. I'm talking to somebody in this room today. Can I tell you something? When you and your efforts are the weakest... God's is the strongest. Jesus walked up to him, and I want you to hear this. We're going to go back to the very beginning. If you think you can, if you think you can't. If you think you can, or you think you can't, what are you? Jesus told, asked him, and it sounds dumb, but I mean, oh, God, Lord, what kind of question is that? He walked up to the guy, and you know the first thing he asked him? Do you want to be healed? Does that not sound incredibly odd? Lord, why? Yeah. You got to hear me. Most Christians don't. Come on. Come on. We actually like being victims. Come on, we actually like poor thing. <laughs> oh, it does it does things for our emotions. Right. Oh, they know I'm down and out. You notice how the hand goes out? Because they want a hand out. You know what Jesus is telling them? Are you ready for a hand up? Do you want to be whole? Do we limit God by our words? Our actions? Our act Do we want to be whole? You say that's... That's crazy. Sure we do. Then why don't we act like it? Why don't we act victorious? 
Well, because I'm not. The tomb's empty, folks. Who shall separate me? So he's out of options. Jesus said, do you want to be whole? And you know the guy said, I don't have anybody that can take me to the water. I don't have any way to get down there. He started doing like what some people maybe sitting in your chair would do. Make excuses why it can't be. When the word of God says, I can do all. There's that word again. Through. He's out of options. So Jesus said when he got his attention, and the guy kind of looked at him probably, well, yes. He said, okay, stand up then. Now I want you to hear this. This is the whole of the sermon. Do you want to be victorious? Start expecting it. Well, how do I start expecting it? Start acting like it. Start walking like it. But I don't have enough money. Start thanking God. Now, I'm going to get really, I'm going to get, I have people all the time. Pastor, I need, I need financial help. And I'm going to get one or two people upset. Can I do that? That's okay. A little, a little toe step in time. You know the first thing I ask them? Are you tithing? 99% of the time we don't help people outside of a church because we take care of the body of Christ first inside of this house, in this house. Okay? But the first thing I ask them, are you tithing? I say, Pastor, if they're not tithing, have you ever helped anybody? Yeah, we have. Very rarely. Do you know why? You know what you tell me when you don't tithe? You're not trusting God. I'm not talking about giving an offering, giving your, your due diligence like my wife used to do in our Catholic days. Man, it was a quarter in the offering. I didn't care how much I had in my pocket. Back when I first started pastoring, I thought about getting metal offering dishes. I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no metal offering dishes. The guy had no options. And Jesus told him, okay, you want to be whole? Stand up. Do something about it. Pick up your mat and walk. You say, I don't have enough money. How about first getting a job? How about second getting a second job? How about getting rid of that car payment that you don't really need? How about getting into something that you can afford to do? How, how about, you say, preacher, you're meddling. Somebody's got to. I mean, the devil's God is bound. Why don't we let God do something? Look what he did. Jesus said, stand up. And you know what? The Bible says no man ever spoke like Jesus spoke. So you know the dude did? He said, I think this guy knows what he's talking about. So he stands up. Ladies and gentlemen, God's word knows what it's talking about. Stand up. Stand up. And watch what God said he would do. He immediately obeyed. Now let me tell you something. I wish we would do that. As the worship team comes, I wish we would do that. I wish we would take Jesus at his word. I wish we would get through this peculiar paralysis that we have that somehow allows guilt and condemnation to keep us bound up. And this stubborn unwillingness to be made whole. Why? Can I tell you something? When he says we're forgiven, dump the guilt. When he says we're valuable, believe him. When he says we're provided for, stop worrying. Folks, I checked my bank account a day after worrying. There wasn't anything else in it. But I checked it the day after believing. God said, I got it. When God says, stand up, let's do it. Folks, this is your story. This is my story. We have this gentle stranger who has stepped into your hurting world.
and he's offered you not a handout, but a hand up. Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.